in Jesus' name. I will be reading uh, Ephesians 1, 1 through 2. I believe it's on page 976 in your pew Bible. This is uh, not one of those lengthy scriptures you need to pack a lunch for, so I'll be up here for a brief second. Uh, Ephesians 1, 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking <laughs> at the book of Ephesians. Um, I'm going to take some time to, to go through this. And like so many of Paul's writings, this is one of those books that um, just you take a, a sentence or a phrase, a few verses, and uh, unpack the riches of. Um, and this is especially true in, in this first chapter. Um, one of the things about Ephesians is Paul is following up on a church he had been at earlier. Um, he had started this, had gone on, and now he's um, responding a few years later. Uh, so there are those there who have come to faith through the, the, um, the believers there who've, who've shared with others, and now they're hearing from, from Paul. And there's not an immediate problem he's dealing with. Uh, when he's writing to Galatians, he's dealing with an issue of people coming in and wanting to add rules onto faith. Um, when he's writing um, the, to the church in Corinth, he's responding to questions about worship and problems they're, they're facing. And so his agenda has been set for him by the church. But here, Paul is following up with some believers and he gets to kind of set the agenda himself. And what he's doing is reminding them, and therefore reminding us, of who we are. Who we are in Christ, and who we are as a church, and then how we live out of that identity in Christ. And so he begins um, using the basic formula of a letter at this time. Uh, but it itself contains things that sets an agenda uh, that we, we need to hear. So you get a letter, um, and it's addressed on the front. It's in an envelope, and there's a return address, and you can kind of tell a lot by just looking at the envelope. I imagine many of you throw most of what you get because it says, Dear Valued Customer, Dear Resident, Dear um, Me. I continue to get letters to Hugh Hamilton, who was Pastor 20-something years ago, so I think they're probably not up on things. Um, uh, my, my, my favorite to throw in the trash is Dear Busy Pastor. Immediately goes to the trash because they're wanting to sell me something I ought to be doing. So, so here Paul is addressing him. And then who it's from tells you a, a good bit. Um, and then what, just immediately what he wants for us. So that's what we see here, just real, very simply. He identifies himself. Um, this is the return address, Paul, an apostle. And then he addresses us, those in Ephesus and you, those who are in Christ, as the saints. And he wishes us grace and peace. So we're going to look at these. The first is who Paul says he is. He is an apostle of Christ Jesus 
by the will of God. And we, we hear the word apostle. It, I, I think there's a lot of words that we get that just kind of sound like um, vaguely religious terms. And based on um, billboards and church signs, I see, there seems to be the temptation for people to claim that they are an apostle, um, to kind of take this for themselves. But in, in the Scripture, um, the word itself means somebody who was sent. So there's times when Paul uh, has sent a message, and he could use the term, that would just meant messenger, the, the, the apostle I sent. But when it's applied to an apostle of Jesus Christ, what that means is specifically those who are sent by Jesus. Um, those who are so that the, the basic idea is someone who has been sent with a message, and here we see where it is uh, Jesus who has sent someone. So biblically, an apostle with a capital A is someone who has seen the risen Lord, been commissioned with a message from that risen Lord, and been sent with all the authority to speak on behalf of Jesus. So one, we're about to ordain and install elders. Elders are something we're commanded in the Scripture to establish in churches. The churches had multiple elders who led them, and, and they were to ordain elders. They were to set apart elders, and, and the, the qualifications for, for elders are, are set forth in Scripture. But the idea of an apostle is not something that we can just say, you know, like, I think I, I've been preacher here for over 10 years. I deserve a um, promotion. How about apostle. No, apostle is by the will of God. It is someone who has seen the risen Lord and been set forth. So we don't just kind of say, hey, this is a cool title. Why don't we accept it? Or for others to claim that they have some sort of authority over others in the church by calling themselves. Uh, This is a specific thing, and it's specific because of the authority with it and the unique of that authority needs to hit us. Um, Paul, who had seen the risen Lord and now by the will of God has been commissioned as an apostle, when he writes this letter, does so with the authority of speaking the very word of God. I, I'm, you know, we, we, we go through different books of the Bible and I usually kind of give the initial sermon that kind of lays out what the background and lays out the things. But one of the things that has struck me is how often in the Scriptures, the very first is essentially in some way saying, this is God's Word to you. And it's done different ways. So a prophet will say the Word of the Lord that came to the prophet Amos. Um, there, there might be some part later in the books of Moses where it says, and you know, God told all these things to Moses. But how often in the letters it starts out by saying, as an apostle, I write this to you. And so the very first thing we hear is we, we remember that this book comes to us not as just somebody else's opinion, but this is God's word. You know, I think we think of that on kind of big level Bible. Is the Bible God's word? But isn't it interesting how often the very book itself says, Paul, with the full authority of Jesus Christ's commission to say this, gives you this. So we, we receive this as God's word to us. We hear this book 
as God's word to his people. And then here's it, who it's addressed to, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So we, uh, we, we, we hear the word saint, and too often we think of very holy, special, super-Christian. Paul is not identifying a subset of the really good Christians. He's writing to the church. And so if Paul were writing to um, the church in Covington, if we were receiving a letter, the letter would say, to the saints in Covington. And that means you. Not super holy Christians. I hope that didn't come across an insult. You're a really good Christian. <laughs> Everyday, ordinary people, he defines it. Saints who are in Ephesus, uh, it says faithful in Christ Jesus. Th- that word there could be faithful. I-, I think it would probably be better those who have faith in Jesus. In other words, the ones who are trusting and holding to what Jesus says, who, who believe and trust in Jesus alone for their salvation, that defines who a saint is. And, and so when we want to make a big celebration and think of St. Patrick, the great missionary, or, you know, we, we, I'm no saint because I'm, you know, I'm not that great of a person, it misses the biblical understanding of who a saint is a saint is someone who is believing and trusting in Jesus and following him and obeying him. A saint is you. Y'all are saints. Saint means holy one, means someone who has been set apart for God's use. In, in a lot of ways, it's saying a lot about God and very little about you because it's not how good of a job you're doing it's about the God who has set you apart for his work. So the word saint, the word holy, means special, set apart. This is God's thing. So in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was holy because it was God's. The, the altar, the, the garments the priest wore, the utensils that were used, the bread that was used, was all holy, not because it was incredibly moral, not because it was, you know, some, it, it, but it was, it was set apart. It was God's. It was for his use, and that's who you are. You have been set apart through the blood of Jesus, redeemed from the world to be used for God's. So does that, does that kind of stir your thought about yourself? I mean, it's very easy for us to kind of think of religion as kind of part of what I do, but... You know, it's just part of what I do. I have a job and I have all these things. But rather than that, you should think that all of who I am, my relationships, my, my, my finances, my job, my children, my, my friendships, my connections, all these things God has possession of, and they're to be of use for his glory, for sharing his gospel, that he has set me and all that is mine apart for his own use, for his own purpose. Do you you see yourself as that? Do you see others as that? How different it would be if we looked at other believers and thought not, I don't like the kind of music they like as much, or they're, they're kind of a bother. They have, if we look at brothers and sisters and say, 
Jesus shed his blood to purchase and redeem this person and set them apart for his glory and his use. This person is holy. This person is a saint. How that would shape our relationship with our spouses, with, with one another, that we remember not only who I am, you know, not to remember just who I am, but if I think of who you are, we, we think of who God has called us to make. So Paul is an apostle, and we are saints. We have been set apart for a holy purpose and a holy use. And what he greets them with is he kind of takes, um, kind of does a twist on the Greek greeting and a twist on the, the Hebrew greeting of shalom and says grace and peace. And that sums up everything we hope for in Christ, that we have mercy, that we have grace and, and peace, not just in um, that, you know, all the loud kids are out on the playground kind of peace, but the peace of flourishing, joy, knowing with confidence I'm a child of God, knowing that there is great joy, knowing that um, the, the, the kids are the continuing of Christ's church and his covenant, and he has blessed us richly with them, and he's blessing us with an abundance of joy and, and relationships and the pleasures of life and all these things he gives to us by grace, things we have not earned and things we have not deserved. So Paul the apostle addresses us who are saints who are to be set apart Grace and peace. But did you notice one word kept getting repeated in all of this? And this is crucial that we get it because it's very easy for us to overlook. But if you've repeated in two verses Christ three times, surely he wants to emphasize something. Did you notice he's not just an apostle. He's an apostle of Christ Jesus. We're not just saints. We're saints, those who have faith in or are faithful in Christ And the grace and the peace we get isn't generic peace. It comes from us from both God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, Christ, Christ. He wants us to know that all of these that we have comes through us from our Savior, God himself who became flesh, who dwelt among us, who lived perfectly fulfilling the law, who died on the cross for us, who suffered to redeem us and make us his people, who conquered the grave on the third day, that we continue to live in that power, and that all of these things are done through him. So the commissioning and the mission and the purpose is, is not just that Paul makes it up, but it's the purpose that Christ has of building his church. And so we as a church don't just come together and say, hey, what do we like and what do we want to do? But we come and say, what is Christ doing? Where is he leading us? What is the one who has redeemed us doing in Tipton County? We are doing these things because Christ is sending us, and he's on mission, and we are part of that mission. We are in Christ. We are following God's will, the will of Christ Jesus that is revealed to us. And it's not that we're just saints, but what has set us apart is the very blood of Jesus, that we have been given to him, that we belong to Jesus. And so that that saint can never be set apart from saints, those who are faithful in Jesus is our, our trust in him, our identity in him, 
It's, it's not that we just kind of believe that there is a God who exists and that we're really nice people. It's that we have seen our need for a Savior and we have been baptized and the name of Christ has been put on us. So our whole identity is now that we are set apart people, set apart in Jesus for Jesus' work, for Jesus' mission, for what Christ is doing. And that grace and that peace that comes to us comes to us because of what Jesus has done. And it can never be separated from Jesus or his will. This, this is why when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name because all of who we are is wrapped up in the risen Lord because of the sufferings that he went through for us. And that, that should shape everything of how we see ourselves and how we see uh, one another and how we see the world around us and how we see what we're really doing at all times. And here is part of the great news. The saints who are in Ephesus are also in Jesus. And so the saints who are in Covington, who are in Tipton County, are the saints who are also in Jesus. I don't know if we can get the full weight of what it would have felt like to be a believer in Ephesus, but it meant that most people hated you. Most people thought you were really weird. Most people wondered why you didn't go along with what everybody else did. And, and to be in Ephesus was to be at the center of the worship of um, um, a pagan god named Diana. Huge temple there, massive. And so to see Christians gather was to see people who were under suspicion, who were seen as enemies of the people, who were seen as subversive to good order. They would have been ridiculed. They would have been mocked. One of the earliest mentions of Christianity outside of the Scripture is a piece of graffiti showing a man bowing before a person who is being crucified, and that person being crucified has a donkey head. And it says, Alexandros worships his God. That's what it would have felt like to be in Ephesus. They mock me. They ridicule me. They hate me. They despise me. They don't want me here. And there can be times that we feel like that. We Maybe not the way there, but there are times that we feel more and more of, I don't feel like I belong there's more and more ridicule of Christianity. There's more uh, suspicion. I, I'm, I, it doesn't take long on Twitter to learn how much some people hate Christians. But here's the good news. You who are here in Ephesus, more than being in Ephesus, you are in Christ Jesus. You are in Jesus. You are in his kingdom. You are held in his hands of the one who will not let anyone go. You are completely secure, and your identity is not what people are calling you and what people are saying, this is what Christians are, and this is what they believe, and this is how they should be dismissed. But your identity is you have been redeemed, you have been baptized, you have been claimed, and you are in Christ Jesus. So this wonderful letter is going to unpack what it means for us to be in Jesus. It is good news.